Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash FML FPL. Welcome to FMLPL. I am Alon. You just fucking stumbled through that I one. Stum- this, this <laughs> Big time stumble on the intro, keeping it 100% in. So, huge pod. They both started out well, game week one, out the gate, and now we're just looking at the fucking post-apocalyptic th- think- war zone nightmare of game week two. I think these kinds of weeks when all of us hardcore FPLers who listen to the fucking FPL pod, the losers that we are, come up with under 40 points, vast majority, this is when we really need to look ourselves in the mirror, gut check, soul search, and figure out how to wait out from the muck. Right. Is it, has every move we've made been wrong? Or do all the guys on our team suck? Or did we actually pick them for a reason because they're going to they're gonna come through in the end? Yeah, so we're here. I mean, we've had a very deep and introspective day ever since the city debacle. Yeah. So we're uh, Uncle Alon and Walsh here to guide you through the next hour <laughs> of your commute. <laughs> Soothing voices as you fall asleep gently on your pillow or whatever you listen to this pod. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you're not falling asleep on your commute. But <laughs> too soon. Um, um, so how'd you do? I mean, we all did bad, but how bad? I, I'm sad on 39. Um, I had the Lukaku captain in at 12. Gabbiadini seven, Erickson seven, and then I had, you know, nine blanks, eight blanks around them. Damn. Luckily, I didn't have too many one pointers, only three one pointers, so the twos kept me afloat um, in a week which was very low scoring. 39 feels like okay. Dropped about 600K places down to 848K, which also feels okay. Plenty of us are sitting in the two million region. I feel very happy to not have, you know, Kane and Jesus who've combined for fucking like three points in two weeks for twenty five million. Um, overall, you know, tough tough week. The Danilo team sheet thing that happened this this morning really did not oh make God. me too happy. Was that you but, think that was a troll or is that just like some fucking intern just fucking up and getting fired? It was definitely an intern getting fired. That was but, a that was a bad job. But overall, I mean, 39 points feels fucking terrible, but I had no cleans over four at the back. Um, you know, three returns is not good. Thank God I didn't go differential captain away from Lukaku because pretty much everyone who did that captained a two or one pointer. Yeah, that and was that like really the biggest did keep thing of the afloat. week. Yeah. yeah, that kept me afloat just to stay in the like bad teams or whatever. But game week two with a lot of active casuals coming in five points under the actual average is not where I want to be. Almost at a game week rank of three million. Yep. And how about you? Yeah, similar. So my game week rank was three million. Um, I'm down several k to nine hundred eighty eight k. So I'm almost at a million rank. But like you, I like I have a good perspective on things. Like I don't feel that bad and. I think it's worth pointing out that, like we pointed out last week, right now you're three points overall ahead of me, and you're 140k. So just like the value of like every single point, every hit, and everything right now is just so many places that like you can just go from a million rank to 
300K on one good week or one differential captain or just one differential coming through in general. So, you know, I'm trying to stay on the positive side, but I feel like in the end I, I'm always the positive one and then that's like what unravels me in the end because I'm, <laughs> I'm like full of hope and trying to be positive and that just like destroys me. But yeah, I mean, I got two cleans, so my defense first two game weeks is, is coming in really huge. Really good. Yeah. Really, really good. All my defensive picks I feel like pretty good about, especially Phil Jones, who's probably just my best pick overall. Yeah, definitely. Um, Captain Lukaku, as we mentioned, keeping me afloat. And then I just got zero, zero attacking returns from anyone. Just blanks through and through. Um, JWP benching did not feel good. He's clearly not the soup anymore. Um, Genie was bad again. At least he got me a clean sheet point. City assets for everyone are struggling. Kane, dude, Kane is just, he's just doing everything on earth possible except scoring. Like just posts and shots and everything is just so high and he's just fucking fucking me. And then yeah, it, the stats are out of control for Kane. Out of it's control. Just not coming in yet. Yeah, like better than they usually are. Then he just hasn't yeah. scored. And then, like, yeah, like you said, the national, not national, the world average of 44. Like, there's so many picks that are high percent ownership that just came through against us. Just like Chicharito, either even, Reset Pogba or Mkhitaryan. Like Ro- even Rooney. Rooney, like West Brom cleans, like all the Higazi yeah. bandwagons. He comes in, yeah. gets he bonus points. He comes in points. on a price rise and then gets a bap on eight. Yeah, yeah and uh, it's just yeah, it's tough. tough. It's been gonna, tough. We'll, we'll emerge past all of the casuals who have like, eventually. like Rooney and, you know, yeah, eventually. At this moment, though, it doesn't feel great. It feels awful, but I'm a little bit calmed and relieved by having two free transfers I got to save last week because okay. I didn't have any injuries. But Yeah, we'll, we'll get in there. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. So. so it's a tough week. I think I haven't really seen a lot of players in the Slack channel, on the Patreon Slack channel, really talking about great scores. A couple here and there. There are a couple Pogba owners, a couple Mctarian owners, a couple of Alonso and yeah, Alonso, Hagazi. There's some big defensive Baye scores, but for the most part, it was a really rough week for us. Um, a lot of people who had 80 points in game week one really fucked up this week. So we'll have to see how we do in game week three. But I think for the pod theme this week is just going to be to take a step back, look really objectively at our heavy hitting assets because a lot of them have been double blanking to start off and we're looking at over 1 million game week ranks um, or over overall ranks rather I should say. And we have to really assess what are we going to do next? I mean, are we taking hits? Are we wild carding? Are we going to hold? I mean, that's the kind of kind of thing we're going to be chatting about today. Um, but before that, I think we wanted to shout out a couple of our league leaders, right? Yeah, just uh, we got the two leagues. Now we have the uh, FPL Prize League, which you get through the Patreon, which I got the first mug today, which is the prize for the leader of every month, and they're fucking beautiful. I'll post them soon. But Ludwig Ludwig Dahlbeck, just an absolute legend, leading the way with a huge fucking 71 this week. Just insane in a week like this to score that kind of those kind of points. And then um, we have the FML, FPL Public League, which everyone should join. We got Peter Gaskell. Off to a blistering start. So that's that. Yeah, go on, Ludwig. That's that box. Let's let's, let's dive the fuck in. (laughs) 
So I don't see anywhere else to start but the city of Manchester because we have two clubs that are look like they're going in opposite directions from an FPL asset standpoint. We have the the red side that's going up and the blue side that's going down. Where do you where do you want to start there? Mm, let's start with the downer. It's it's most okay. fresh in my mind and okay. Okay. yeah, just so we both have Kev and I think Kev is a good place to start because a lot of people own him. And he's being transferred out all, like crazy. Like and everyone's drops. going. He will price drop this week. Definitely going to price drop this week. Everyone's going Kev to Pogba, Kev to Mickey, Kev to Erickson, probably other guys, Mane. Like there's everyone is cheaper than him, pretty much. So you can you can get any midfielder you want. How do you feel about Kev so far? Because today was a fucking nightmare from Kev, but you know. I think looking at the game today in isolation from Kev, I think in the first half before Walker got taken off, you know, he was very much the same position that he has been the last 20 City games going back to last year. Central, center of the park, late runs into the box, playing far, further forward, interchanging with Silva at the middle. Fine, totally fine. You know, make, yep. the, make, the, uh, make the sub at halftime, he's playing center back. Not great. He's got two blanks. He's ten million. He does this. I mean, he's kind of similar to me, like Erickson, where he doesn't shoot too many. I guess it's different with Erickson takes a lot of shots from outside the box, but De Bruyne doesn't shoot that many times per game. He's not going to be scoring over ten goals a season, but he will continue to create chances and he will be center to a lot of things that they do. He hovers Baps. I mean, he was up there among the city players for baseline Baps today, and he didn't have a good game. He did give the ball away a lot. Um, Overall, I'm really calm with De Bruyne. I don't think that two blanks from him means that he's a bad pick. I think it's the kind of thing that if you get nervous and you transfer a player like De Bruyne out when he's fit, even though City are a little bit fucked up right now, you know, you're going to be missing his points when he starts coming in. I think it kind of reminds me of last season when you got him for a few home bankers. Exactly what I was going to well. Didn't perform too well. You get, you get jittery because of his price. You get rid, and then all of a sudden he rattles off. 30, 35 points in a four-game week span, and you're like, fuck, like, I wish I had him still. So I think I'm, I'm definitely not. He's not going anywhere on my team. I, I think he would probably have to get injured before I took him off, took him out. Um, yeah, I'm very happy to hear you say all of this because yeah. I kind of have the same read on Kev. Like, I'm kind of obsessive over like stats and stuff, probably to a fault, but when you, when you compare his stats just in this very, very small sample size of this year to like last year or even second half of last year like they're basically exactly the same like he's shooting a little bit more but pretty much the same he's in the same areas still creating a million chances all that shit like i know i know city look really bad but we also know they're gonna be in and around the top four and they're gonna score a lot of goals it's also worth noting they were way worse at home last season than away so you you look at the upcoming fixture and I don't know. I just I see reasons to be positive. At Bournemouth is pretty much a dream, and I'm just yeah. I feel confident with Kev. I'm not panicking yeah. on that. Yeah, no. So I mean, Kev Kev's a hold for me. I, I think you got to hold him. You, you got to give him more than two weeks, just because you know Pogba and Mkhitaryan are firing or Ericsson or whatever. I don't think that's the place you should make funds. And I get being aggressive early doors, but swapping someone who has the exact same outlook for game week three as you did game week one. And if you were confident in putting him in your team game week one, I think that you got to hold your knee there. 
Um, especially it's so when hard with those guys with Pogba and Mkhitaryan. They're just like fucking it with everyone's head. I feel like yeah, and they should be because they, they be. they're yeah they're prime assets. I mean, they've got eight goals in two games, and City have two goals in two games, and they look absolutely terrible. Yeah, absolutely. So terrible. that's where we should be thinking and going, but. I think that you need to figure out how to wedge those United assets in, not at the expense of someone like De Bruyne, which yep. is tough. And that's you know that's, that's team tough. specific. But broader speaking, looking at City, the other thing that that gives me a little bit more hope with De Bruyne is that I think Aguero and Jesus are more significant problems. I think Aguero looks noticeably off it the first two games. He seems like he's like a step behind. He's just not clicking or firing in any capacity. Terrible. He's been terrible. There's a couple of the worst games I've seen him play. Granted, he scored against Brighton in game week one, but today was one of the worst performances I've yeah. ever seen out of him in my life watching him play football back to Atletico. And I think Jesus, it's it's clear that he's searching for games. You can make arguments in Brighton that he was in and around it, but you know he missed a couple sitters. He was a little more clinical last season, granted small sample size, but... You know, it was minute four, and I saw him coming back with when company or Stones or someone had the ball back in City's own half right away at the beginning of the game. So, if he's down there trying to search for the game immediately, that means I think there's like confidence issues. I don't know if he knows where he's supposed to be positioned. Yeah, I don't I know what about that's about. Say, it's like, just very strange. I like as an outsider, like I can't even tell you what position he's playing at all. No, he, like, everyone he's all else is over very, very clear. Like. That yes, there's a lot of movement in, in Pep's system, but he's just all over the place. Right back, left back, like deepest midfielder on the pitch and forward all at once. It just he looks very lost. Um and he had one decent chance today and it, he was, you know, again, the Kyle Walker red kind of just fucked up everything for the second half. I'm sure he would not have come off otherwise. But yeah, it's a little bit sketchy with Kuhn and Jesus right now. And, I don't know though. It's it's so hard because you look at the other heavy hitting forwards, and most people probably already have Lukaku. So then, like, where else are you really looking to go with them? Is is one of the hardest things I think? Because like, I don't think it's hard. I think there's four or five really good options. I think Lacazette's better than either of them. Not really too close to me in my mind now. I'd rather have Firmino than either of them. Not close. Look at those savings, and I'd rather have Kane. So I think there's a few different directions you can go with that forward spot. I think that City have shown to date that they're fucked up enough that I don't want to certainly have two assets if you have De Bruyne and one of them. If you only have the one with Aguero or Jesus and that's your only City attacker, I mean, I still don't think that you can get too burned by looking elsewhere. They look terrible. I, I mean, they look absolutely terrible. And if you just look at the team objectively and they were called like fucking... Luton Town fucked me up the ass, and their manager was like, like Depp Partiola. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't want a single player on that team. Like we're being biased because of, of course, the sky blue city and their team's worth a billion dollars, and they have Pep, but they are playing like a mid-table side right now. Granted, they have seventy percent possession; they're not doing shit. Fuck all with it. So yeah, I I'm, think you I'm, really I'm need a to look little at more it. positive than you are on them. Like. Even today, like I really felt like they were actually playing pretty well, and it was really just Kuhn and Jesus who were fucking everything up, which isn't but, but, good. But but Alon, they played really. I expect they played them to really come well together. I guess they played really well for the entire year last year, and they scored less goals at home than like Bournemouth. So whatever the fuck they look like in the middle third or the possession stats, 
they're not clicking, and they haven't been since Pep's been there. And the first two game weeks have not shown me anything different. And when he's playing this 3-5-2 situation, and he has one less attacker with all that possession, I mean, the Brighton game, I think, was case in point. They're not doing anything with it. So I think City are in big trouble. And I don't think. Yeah, that's fair with the home form. But again, like they're at Bournemouth this week. And the away form, they were probably, I don't have it in front of me, probably highest scorers in the league last year. Yeah, they were good. They were were better. You know, so are you really like getting rid of them at Bournemouth? I don't know. It doesn't seem good to me. No, I I mean, I think it's just a broader speaking conversation. Not like right now, but I think just looking at them compared to. You know, Spurs, the Wembley thing, or whatever. Like, I've I'm very concerned about City. Yeah, it's it's worrisome. They're off to a very bad start. The only good FPL option so far has been Otamendi. <laughs> He's just <laughs> racking up bonus points like at insane levels. Um, if he continues to have his freedom, like every time they keep it clean, he's looking like two or three bonus points. So yeah, and he's shooting from open play, and he's always in there for set pieces. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a good yeah, he's a good option. It's just the thing that you get concerned about is if Pep realizes that this formation is fucking dog shit and it doesn't work. If he goes back to the flat back four, is he going to play or Stones? Yeah, we don't know. That's we don't know. definitely That's, a worry, but yeah. it's it's a bright side. Yeah, um, United. Yeah, United United Fine. are quite good. So second year Lukaku's, Mourinho, yeah, it's, it's all coming together. It's fucking. It's all scary, coming together. Dude. So Lukaku just looks like almost a set and forget captaincy option at this point. We'll talk about that with Kane later on. But Lukaku is so bad, and then he still yeah, gets a goal. He still gets a goal. That's the thing is that That's he just man, he plants himself up there in the box and shit, and enough. Situations happen where he's going to get the ball to feed at one time, and the defense is going to shit themselves, and he'll score. We have Pogs and Mctarian, so I think that's another conversation just that's right a big there. One. Yeah, everyone's again. I mean, we're with De Bruyne, Salad, Sarah, Mohamed Salah <laughs> got rested, so a lot of people are looking at shipping him out. But flavor of the day certainly Pogba rose in price yesterday. Mctarian rose for a second time today. Where do you stand on the Paul versus Henrik debate? Yeah, I think they're both, and we kind of we talked about this a bit in preseason, but they've both shown that they're going to return value. And obviously, yep. United is not going to score four goals a game all year, but for eight million in an elite side, they're both they're both going to return value, and they're both great great picks. Like I have no problem with picking either of them. Um, in terms, if I had to just pick one, it's really fucking hard, but I, th- I'm leaning towards Mkhitaryan. How come? Um, normally in these head to heads, like in Oliver Zerickson or something like that, I go with the goal scorer who thus far has been Paul, but I just don't, I feel like there's more of a chance of Paul scoring less goals than there is like Paul having a goal fall off than there is a Mkhitaryan assist fall off. Like the the chances created, and more importantly, the big chances created, and just his passing and his form in general, Mkhitaryan is just top, and he has the assist to go with it. Paul still isn't really like shooting that much. He's still playing most of the game very, very deep. So I feel like he still probably won't put together that many goals, even though you know he's he's kind of getting unleashed in these late game scenarios. I just feel like the returns will be a little bit more consistent for Mkhitaryan, but they're both fucking great. I don't know. What do you think? 
I think that's fair. I like a lot of the points that you made. I think that McTarion looks like he's more secure for something like a 5 and 14 season. Uh, yeah. Paul, maybe for him to kind of hit like a 10 and 10, which is kind of where I'm looking like him, he's going to go. And that's, and so, that's him historically. And that's, you know, with everything else that he does on a pitch, it's a really good year. Yeah. Just, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, but at the same time, the thing I, the difference that I see with it is that I think that Paul is a few steps above McTarian in terms of his football and capabilities and ceiling. Definitely. I think that Paul is someone that could be, talked about towards the end of this season, middle towards the end of next season as the absolute number one best midfielder in the Premier League. There are a lot of non-FPL things that he does that would contribute to that, but I think he has enough ability for finishing and for his you know chances created as well where I think that that's going to be able to catch up. I think that the game kind of pricing him at eight both of them at eight it was sort of similar to how they underpriced Ollie and Erickson yeah. at nine five to try and get us to divide our attentions from Kane to Ollie and Erickson as Lukaku to McTarney yeah, and Pogba. Definitely. So I think it's the same kind of principle where the value will be had at the eight million midfield mark rather than Lukaku. Maybe it's a little bit less clear there because we're capping Lukaku, but I I do like Paul a little bit more. I think that he has more of a capability to just be completely unleashed and take it to another level. I think that he has the ability to score 18 goals like Ollie did last season. He makes he gets into those positions. He's on direct freeze. He's a threat from set pieces. He's the goal scorer. McTarian, I mean, I think it looks like from what I can tell, best case, I think like, you know, seven, maybe eight goals if he really has a good conversion rate. But, but I think he has 20 assist potential. He does have, probably does have 20 assist potential, even though he's not on many or if any set pieces. But I just think that with him getting subbed earlier, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like... It, Paul, it's it, just, yeah, just, it's, it's so hard. I mean, like... It's a t- it's splitting hairs. Yeah, it's splitting hairs. And, and again, it's, it's such a small sample size that we're basically basing this entire conversation off of. So it's, it's hard. We'll have to see. Yeah. A month from now, we'll have a much better feel. I feel like yeah. McIntyre will be better on bonus. But it, again, it's really Definitely. hard to tell. And so, you know, we'll see. They're both fantastic picks. And I guess, I guess just the last thing on Paul and like, why I think he may not be able to reach that kind of goal total is just like, if he's spending around 80 minutes per game playing really, really deep, I just don't think the amount of goals from like open play will ever get there. But then again, if they're just, you know, he might score in the last 10 minutes of every game. So I don't know. But I guess that's really like, that was like one of the standout things I noticed when I was just looking further into it. Yeah, but he still does get in there on counters and he makes those runs into the box where he's a real option to score goals on counters. Yeah, it's just that all of those counters have come after like eighty minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's they've fair. been really bad for parked. like forty-five minutes in both games. Yeah, so. everyone's parked against them, so there's no counter opportunity. But yeah. I mean, the the bottom line is, I think the way that the tide's turning, Lukaku and one of those midfielders looks like the the way forward. So I yeah. think you need to just take a look at them and figure out where you can fit them in and just go for it because. United are blowing teams away, and no one is reaching their their goal scoring output yet. And they still have pretty decent fixtures coming up, so there's no reason to think that that's not going to continue. I agree. Um, and if you if you want to go even a step further, I think Triple United is great. 
And we all yeah, know they're going to keep assets. a ton of, ton of clean sheets. Phil Jones is a great pick. Bailly is a great pick. I think, you know. Yeah, I think tripling United, they're, they're clearly the informed team. You know, they have eight goals, two cleans. There's not much more you could ask for through game week two. Having something like Lukaku, Phil Jones, and one of those United midfielders looks like if you're wild carding today, that's going to be where you start probably. Yeah, that's and, fantastic. And I mean, Phil, jo- Phil Jones at five, I think a lot of also it's kind of reminds me last season of like Ben Davies when Rose got hurt and we're thinking like, oh, well, is he nailed? Like, is he going to come back? Is, is Smalling or Lindelof going to take his place? If you're spending $5 million on a defender and they're on United, that's just fantastic value, and you got to get in there and worry about it on another day. If he if he gets dropped or whatever, game week seven, you know you spend a transfer. But the yeah, value that think, you're getting... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think you brought this up maybe last pod, but, or just in chat, I don't remember, but Phil's also been incredible on bonus. When you like look at all of the defenders and their baseline bonus, for someone with no attacking returns... He's second in the league. So like once they stop scoring four goals per game and they keep just keeping clean sheets, he looks like he's gonna be getting bonus points regularly in those one nils and two nils. So that's great. Yep, that is great. So I think that Jones is definitely a good asset to buy. Yep. Wow. Well, what's not that's, that, those are big ones we just ticked off right there. They're big. I mean, you gotta look at United and City are going in opposite directions. I think that's everyone has two or two to four heavy hitters from both those teams and everyone wants to know what the fuck to do with them. So I mean we're definitely on different camps for City. I think I think it's a sell for if I had a Guerrero or Jesus, I'd be looking at exit exit strategy. I think Kevin's a hold just because he's central to everything they do. And David United, is just we're, God. David is the biggest good. hold of all of them. <laughs> So Silva hitting the post, it's kind of similar, right? Like we were talking about in preseason pods. Like part of the reason why I was looking at David Silva was that Jesus is a rotation risk, Kuhn's a rotation risk, Silva, every fucking player is a rotation risk. Paying two million less for Silva and getting two points when you're paying ten five for Jesus and they're kind of getting the same points gives me two million to put elsewhere. I mean, Jesus is not a proven proven commodity, so you know, it's it's all it's a tough one with City, but I think we're we're again we're in opposite camps there, and then United, I think we're in similar camps where you got to invest, you got to buy. Yeah, Colin Foley on Slack asked, Kevin David seem both to be nailed, like they could get a similar output. Is it better value to just save two million on Silva? I don't think they're going to be near each other at the end of the season. Yeah, points. I don't think so either. I think Kev will probably be something like forty-ish more points than Silva, but. The way things are going currently, I think you could do worse. And if you're faced with one or the other, I don't. I don't know. I, I haven't. Um, that's that's really tough. That's, that's tough really one. tough. Yeah, but if you're because, like just imagining a world where like your team is very fucked up, like you have some non-playing cheap midfielder, and there you have no other way to get get to like Pogba or Mkhitaryan or something. I could see a world where you go like Kev to David, and you know. Dick fuck to Pogba, like that seems good to me, but it's really hard and it's really like circumstantial, like team to team. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think the other big question that arose this week was: everyone has JWP, or everyone has some five-five piece of shit midfielder. Everyone who has Aaron Moyes can fast forward five minutes on the pod. <laughs> but I think the six million midfielder, the kind of mid-priced midfield bracket, sort of a little bit of clarity this week. We had Hesse on Stoke come in with a double-digit haul. 
First game in, started right away, passed the eye test, looked brilliant, scored the goal, got max bones. And then Richarlison on Watford had absurd stats. Absurd. Um, a lot of the touches in the box were kind of like Sterling style touches in the box yeah, where they don't yeah. really mean anything. But, you know, he's, they paid a lot for him. He's Brazilian. He has good pedigree. He's a big lad. He looks like he's got something about him. Uh, but another six million midfielder who we know what Silva can do with his sides and the midfielders. Look at what he did with Krasicki and Markovic last season. So Richarlison's someone that you definitely need to keep an eye on. Then we had Matty Phillips, darling from last year, coming with an assist. There are some names starting to come in. Tadic got a pen, so he got some. He got a return. Got some points there for Southampton. Yep. What do you What do you see there in the under seven million? Because William, you know, William looked good, but they were playing very negative, and his his security of starts not you know not there for for a long. Yeah, William's not a long term guy. Yeah. Ram Ramsey had a typical Ramsey game with like late runs, couldn't finish his dinner. He's just not that good in my opinion. And I mean, Richie looked shitty. I mean, we had Moy come in, but. I mean, what do you see in that bracket? Because everyone's got at least one spot on yeah, the team. Yeah, at least one. Probably two in most teams, if I had to yeah. guess. But yeah, yeah I mean, I yeah, I guess let me start with Rambo because I we're definitely on opposite sides of the Rambo spectrum. I think he's fine. If I was a Rambo owner, I wouldn't be nervous at all. I mean, that was his first start of the year. He's showing himself to be nailed, and he was great. I mean, he got a bunch of shots in the box. You can't ask for much more. I think he'll just continue getting a bunch of shots in the box most games, and that's really good for $7 million, is getting a guy who's getting a lot of chances per game. But going down the list, I mean, obviously JWP's out. I don't really like the Moy shout. I mean, his goal was absolute class, and you like the set pieces and stuff like that, and I love a bald like him. Like he just, I like the look of him and everything. I just don't believe in Huddersfield, really. And there, there are two wins on the bounce, sure. Like, that's great. Like, Hull started just as good last year and then got relegated. Like, from, like, advanced stats just to eye test, they just don't look that good to me. Like, I don't see a world where, like, Huddersfield are regularly getting good chances and Moy is getting a lot of chances, even though he has pretty good fixtures coming up. I mean, there are definitely worse guys to take, like, a three-ish, three, four-week punt on, but... I'm not a believer in Moy. I'm much more a believer in the other two guys that you brought up in Hesse and Richarlison. And Hesse is just, I don't know, it's weird when you talk about guys that like are coming from huge clubs, which clearly Mark Hughes is just like obsessed with doing that. But it, it does mean a little bit of something. Like, you know, they, they're probably all inconsistent or have bad attitudes or whatever, but it means that their like skill level is very high if they're like, you know, scouted and went through the Real Madrid rankings and stuff like that. And he was just so good and playing so far forward. And it was against Arsenal in his first ever game in the Premier League with brand new teammates. I was really, really impressed with Hesse. The only thing that sucks is their fixtures are so bad. Um, And Richarlison, I mean, it took a Pereira injury, unfortunately, in the first game to get him nailed. But... Yeah, like you said, his stats are just off the page. And, and Silva, I mean, we're like witnessing the Silva effect. And we shouldn't be surprised, but it's still surprising because they've been that good. Like, I'd almost go to say, like, Wofford are no longer Twafford. Like, they have back-to-back, like, very, very strong attacking matches from his teams. And Richarlison was great in both and returned in both. And I, I'm high on Richarlison. I don't know. What do you think? 
Yeah, I don't have a single opposing view except for Ramsey of what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hesse, like you said, he's just got quality in his background, and I think he's going to be good for them. He's clearly the main man. He's basically out of position from a fantasy perspective at, at midfield. He's down the middle. Um, I think Richarlison, as well as Pereira, who's hurt right now, I think that Watford's just straight up underpriced. They have four or five defensive assets. They have. They're just good. Underpri- they're just. They're just going to be a good side this year. I think that it's funny because they didn't really buy that much in the off season. They have, you know, Richarlison's new. They have Kiko Femenia. They, they got him from La Liga, who's new. But for the most part, it's it's fairly similar to the squad they had last year. The Mazzari just like trucked into 16th place finish or whatever the fuck they did. But they've got a lot of skill on that side and they have a lot of pieces. They just need the, the right sculptor to mold them into the right right kind of side. So Silva's doing that and I think Watford's probably a decent side to buy in um, based on their prices. And yeah, I think Richarlison's great. I think he's a great shout. Um, but with Ramsey, I, I just I still can't get over that this is what Ramsey has been for the last three years. And I think he has a larger sample size past that first, you know, really what it was was nine or ten game weeks of the beginning of that season a few years ago where he was firing really hard. Past that and that injury, he has not been good, and he has not been a good FPL asset. And I don't really see why that's going to change because every time I watch him and he gets into those positions and he does it, he shoots it over the bar and they close up on his right. face and right. he just looks at Flick, the sky. Flicks into the goalkeeper's yeah, I, chest. No, I know. Like, I mean, for me, it all it all stems from the end of last season. And that's the whole reason why I was high on him going into the preseason. Like, I just thought that he really took it to another level at the end of last season when they switched formation. And he was at that same level through preseason and then subbed on against Leicester and was great and scored and... To me, it's just like if he's getting the, it's just volume. That's that's really all it is for me. It's not. I don't think the player has changed at all. I agree with you there. To me, it's just like the volume has increased to a level where I think that some of them will go in and he'll have a he'll have a nice season. But I see your I see your side totally. It's and owning him must be like one of the most frustrating things. Like one of the most frustrating players to own because of the sheer number of chances and how many he fluffs. For sure, yeah. Um, but Lacazette is interesting because I, I forgot about this, but I wanted to because you brought him up as a replacement for the City guys. But I don't know, like, what did you see in him this week that you like? Because he had he had no shots. He had the one. He did. Off- he scored a goal. Yeah, the offside so, goal was bullshit. So yes, but that's still like that's two. That's two and two for him. Two and two is great, but one shot per game is not great. It's not great, but I think problem that Arsenal's having right now is just they, they're very disjointed and they have no they're not settled and you know Alexis is going to be coming back so that's going to be another nice thing for us to take in that information and see how they set up with him in the side but it's just going to give opponents something else to think about and it should make them that much more lethal um, on pens he kind of flits in and out of the game when I watch them. Yeah, see, that's what but bothers he, me. And he got subbed, and it was just like, why the fuck is he getting subbed off? You know, I was like, what? What's happening, really? You know? Yeah, I just think that he has quality, and I think that he puts himself into good positions where I do think that there are going to be a lot of Otsal to Lacazette's happening, and I think he's really good on the counter. I think he's just intelligent. I think when I watch him. 
when I just man watch him during the game and see where he's running and what yeah. kind of diags and what he's doing on and stretching the up the opposing defense. He reminds me kind of like Bobby a little bit, but a little bit more selfish and a little bit more of goal scoring clinicality. Yeah, there's a lot of Lacazette just throwing his hands up in the air. I mean, really, yeah. like the the worst thing for Lacazette is just the other Arsenal players so far. Yeah, I mean, he's like, playing with like Danny Welbeck. Welbeck so is so fucking bad, and yeah. then Bellerin left wing back. Yeah, it's just I like, mean, all of those things suck. Vanger somehow Cola and leaving Bellerin a left wing back. It's just yeah. like so, oh, it just does my head in. But I guess we're just on opposite. We can agree to disagree there. I think if I had a city forward like Aguero, I would definitely keep Aguero for this week. But you, you're more thinking you'd you'd find another way. Well, I don't. I don't think I would straight swap. Like I think that would be something. Oh, that's what right? I was thinking. Yeah. that's what I thought you meant. No, I mean I would rather have Lacazette than Aguero. Like if I'm wild carding, I put Lacazette in my team right now, no question over Aguero. That's not even something I would consider. But if you're looking at like I have one free, like I also have JWP, or I also have this problem or that problem, you know, probably that's not the transfer that you make. But I think. In the back of my mind, like that's someone I want to get in my team soon. Lacazette. I, see. I got you. I feel you. Should we should we do a little like Patreon shit? I feel like it's not great that we never talk about Patreon. Other than like the little tag thing that I put in, yeah, that's fine. What do you want to say about it? It's I, I great. Just think it's the Slack great. is. I think the Slack needs. Everyone needs to be in the Slack. Yeah, that's like, true. We have that, that's really all that pe- needs to be said. Like if you we have a hundred people in the Slack channels, and if it's you just like a FPL and like us and shit, the Slack is fucking where it's at. It's so I mean, fun, and I spend all my time all day, there. Yeah. all day. I mean, it's just if you post on FFS like community board, and you like don't want to get moderated by fucking pieces of shit on there, and you want to just post like porn and shit on Slack and talk about <laughs> FPL. Not actual porn, but it's okay if you post porn. It's just it's just fun. It's just good banter, and everyone's really live there during match day chat. We yeah, have match day is the ch- best. But then also, yeah, like in the weird down hour hours when me and you are asleep, everyone's still in there talking FPL, like bouncing ideas off one another, and just like it's just great. I just yeah, absolutely love being in there. Yeah, yep. I mean it's it's under five dollar Patreon purchase, and you get into the prize league for the mug also with that. So. Just check it out. I mean, it's it's a it's a price of an actual cup of coffee, um, and you get to month. support us. Yeah, you support us. You keep the pod going, and it's just really fun community that we've really created over there with a lot of like minded people, and it's just a fun time. So check it out. Check it out. Uh, Patreon dot com slash fmlfpl. That's it. Yeah. Okay. I want to look over to West Ham a little bit for yes. a second too. Because, uh, yes, dude. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because we're looking at like you know they were fucking dog shit week one. Southampton, I don't want to talk about Southampton. We talk about Southampton all the time. But down at 10 men, and Checarito got a couple of tap-ins off like rebounds and bullshit that Forrester's just not that good at catching balls. But the finishes million. were nice. Yeah, I mean, they're, but they're tap-ins. Like, those are tap-ins. Uh, one of, they are, but they're, they're tap-ins, but they're ones that you see other guys miss. You know what I mean? Yeah, but what you see like Scott Dan miss, well, and you see like Ramsey miss, Scott like Dan, like uh, those are fucking tappins. I, I whatever. When I saw the 13. replays of them at first, I was like, oh, okay, just got two bullshit goals. But when I like watch match of the day and stuff, and like saw all the angles and just like the speed with which he pounces on them, and like that that half volley, the second one, he hit that harder than like any shot this weekend. I was just like, there's something about him. Like this is just what he's always done his whole career. No, like yeah, these are no. not. 
as there's easy no, as they look. You no, know? I mean, there's no question that he's, you know, when he's in that penalty area, he's going to pounce and he's going to poach and he's going to get his goals that way. There's no, like, and there's not, it's not a surprise when he has yeah. zero goals from shots outside of the box and his like 80 fucking yeah. <laughs> Premier League goals or whatever. Like, that's what he does. And that's where he makes his, his makes his living. But seven million, he's twenty percent owns. Fucking astonishing. But Crazy. he's definitely someone to keep an eye on in that, you know, sub eight five million striker bracket, second, third striker, whatever formation you're playing. You got to be looking at Chikorito, I think. And then we also had Antonio come back, and you know he got the assist, but he looked good. He was really good. You know who was the odd man out? It was kind of IU. I thought. It's just like he no he longer really is like central or the striker or anything because yeah. of Cheech. And it's just like he felt, felt like the odd man out to me. And Antonio looked incredible. Arnie looked incredible until his red card. And Cheech looked great pretty much the whole game. Like he set, he teed up that one good chance to Arnie. And Antonio was shooting. And yeah, I was, I was pretty fucking impressed with West Ham after their dog shit performance and down a man. Even like the. X goals, expected goals, they were like very high, like very, very good attacking performance for them. So they bossed the game once they lost Arnie. Yeah, it's crazy. Cresswell had a nice attacking game. They were good. I like them. Yeah, so, I like their guys. Yeah, they look good. I think once they get Lanzini and Cuyate back also, that's gonna really settle them down. So even someone as bad as manager as Billich might be able to get some more out of them. Sacco looked like he was he had a lot about him, looked like he had a point to prove when he came off the bench. So Chikorito, I think, is definitely someone to keep an eye on. I think Antonio at 7-5, you could do a lot worse. I mean, he defies logic. We know what he does in FPL. When he's fit, he just returns extremely consistently at a very steady rate. So Yeah, and, he's, he's and a, they bought he's really Zabaleta, good... so he's no longer going to play right back. So that's right, just good right, all around. Right. So, I mean, I think Antonio is a very good under-the-radar option. Um, but West Ham look like they're maybe going to be okay. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's like... We had two, two extremely different West Ham's from Billich's first year to second year, and it just that first year they scored a million goals. They finished six, and they scored like almost seventy goals, I think, and they were great. And there were just fantasy returns everywhere, and Pyatt was right. like a must own. And then last year they were just fucking awful, and they had like little bursts here and there, and Lanzini had a little run, and Tony had a little run, but overall they were just terrible. And it seems like they made some pretty decent purchases to just maybe improve a little bit up from last year and just be like a kind of good attacking team, even though they're still horrible defensively. And they have really good fixtures coming up. They've got Newcastle, Huddersfield, West Brom, Spurs and Six, not great. Swansea, Burnley, Brighton, Palace. So it's pretty they have fucking really good. good. Yeah, they have, they have a pretty fucking good run. So I think it could be a little cheeky cheeky time to buy West Ham assets. I'm, I'm a little bit very scared of Chikorito with his ownership and yeah. what he could do in this deck. So yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know like yeah. just a sneak preview to the our team section, but I'm someone who's looking at. I have two midfielders that need to be fucked off probably very soon. I have Bob, who I think is still a really good pick, but being able to go Bob to Cheech and save that much money for a bigger upgrade elsewhere is not something that I think is bad, especially with those fixtures from Chicharito. So that's yeah. he's very much I on agree. my radar. I agree. It's something to think about. Yeah, how do you feel about Lad- Laddie Adini after that performance? Uh, I mean, he had a kind of a lucky goal because he didn't strike it well. Um, just lucky. He did hit the bar on a screamer. He almost had a brace. But Southampton looked really bad. I mean, they looked bad. They had one goal from open play that probably shouldn't have been. 
um, just ripped the defense apart. They just stopped running. And then they got a couple of pens, one of which should not have been called. No, no day, never, never, ever, ever, the Austin pen. Yep. So they went up to 11 men. They got bossed by 10-man West Ham. Yeah, they were fucking no f- bad, dude. Yeah, they're bad. I mean, they're just not that good, I think. Pellegrino still has the benefit of the doubt. It's been two games, but... You know, I have the two assets. The fixtures are still great, so I'm just going to hold. But they're definitely on the chopping block when I'm looking towards how I want to shift my team or which places I want to change. I mean, Gabby Adini to someone like Chikorito is definitely on my list, or Rooney. Yeah. Uh, Stevens out for someone like Jones or someone, or maybe Maguire. You know, those are the kind of things those I'm all thinking about. Feel good to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, if I wildcarded today, I would absolutely have zero Southampton players in my team. That's not even something I would consider. So I think they're, they're on the, on the down, downward slope. Yeah. Uh, trending downwards. Trending, as they say. Did you see uh, uh, Chaz Austin on Match of the Day? What he said? Yeah, the noble and the yeah. bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> fucking joke. I love that he's like, and then I changed my mind. I, I went up and said thanks to Nobs. <laughs> so, yeah. Fuck yes, dude. So let, I want to take one step back away from just what's happening every in every fucking game and just look at, is it right to wild card right now? Kind of what are the circumstances that you should really be seeing in your team if that's something that you should be firing on? Yeah, Dave Collins said... Is it justifiable to wild card now? I have thirty points this game week, and I feel like having a bath with my toaster. Yeah, he so. is all about bathing with electrical. <laughs> like that's his number one thing. Dave Cullen is absolute legend. Mm, that is psycho. Fucking psycho. Yeah. Because um, I'm seeing people looking at wild cards when they realistically have like one real problem, and that's like JWP. Yeah. And then they just have heavy hitters who haven't been firing. I, think, I mean, how many teams yeah, yeah. started with Lukaku, Kane, and Jesus and are right now ranked 2 million? Like a lot of really hardcore good FPL play managers started with that front line and they're, you know, that's their overall rank is 2 million. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that that's bad. I mean, they all are just as likely to return as any other heavy hitting forward or heavy hitting midfielder. So what would you really need to see in your team to trigger the wild card? I think I would need several, I'm talking about like maybe f- up to four bad, really bad, unquestionably bad picks, like guys who are maybe injured, maybe guys who are suspended, or guys who have been dropped. Something so you have like, like that. Arnie, JWP, Francis, Lejeune and, and Francis, or something. Yeah, like something like that. Yeah, and just. You have no way to get to like a Man United midfielder. You have no way to get to Lukaku, like something that's like very pressing, where it's just like you have like Atsu or Richie or something. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. Or there are teams that start with like Tom Carroll and Loftus Cheek, and it's just hard for people. Or if you have Kyle Walker, yeah, Kyle Walker's. But there's been so many fucking red cards, dude. Red cards, but. Yeah, I, I think I overall agree with you. I've seen so many teams where I'm just like, no, dude, just hold hold that. That's fine. That's a good team. Like, your team's good. I think the bandwagon knee-jerk effect is just putting everyone into a fucking world of panic. It's just like yeah. people feel like if I can't get to Pogba, I need to wildcard because if I don't have him, I'm going to just be the worst thing ever in this game. And that's just wrong. And I think is a very good pick, but... One player, yeah, especially when you when you look at it. Also, I've seen so many people transferring like Salah out for Pogba. Salah for Pogba. It's just like no, no, no. I don't get that because 
It's like you go into your game week one team knowing that Klopp has Liverpool have fucking five thousand games in the first four weeks. Klopp has said that he's going to rotate. You see what Salah can do when he's on the pitch. He has double digit hole in game week one, and then he's rotated, which is what you knew would happen. Which is what, based on all logical and objective information that you have and you're analyzing, you knew that he's going to rotate. And then the second that happens, you're going to fucking fuck him off. Like that's not that's knee jerk. That's not logical thinking that's or rational thinking. thought. Yeah, that's a bad so, way to play the game. Yeah, those are the kind of things where it's like, and then people are saying, "Oh, but he's rotation pro." It's like, no, dude. Like you just suffered his rotation game. He's probably not going to get rotated again for the next four. You know, the next time it's going to be Mane's turn or whomever. So those are the kind of things that are the knee-jerk things of heavy hitter A to heavy hitter B that I think cause you to spin wheels, and you're going to miss out on points from Salah in the next few weeks. And sure, you're going to miss out Pogba, on points, and you're going to end up taking too many hits and stuff like that. It's just like yeah. a bad. Well, you're spending combo. and you're spending transfers on places in your team that are fine because Salah exactly. is fine. Yeah, Salah's so, a great pick. Absolutely yeah, a great, great pick. Yeah, he's a great pick. So. Those are the kinds of things I think now, if you haven't already spent your transfers on when you listen to this on a Tuesday, if you've been patient enough, just try and take a step back and remember that there's 38 games to the season. We just finished up game week two. If you're ranked in the millions, you know, you will steadily climb over the next five or six. No, no question if you stay the course and keep picking good players. So I just want, I just want to make sure that you guys take a real hard look at your team. Don't get discouraged if you did start with that front line of Kane, Jesus, Lukaku, or Kane, Jesus, Firmino, or something like that. You know, if a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are 50% of the teams that didn't have Lukaku. Plenty of teams I saw before game week one had Kane and not Lukaku. Yep. And, you know, you're fucked right now, but you don't need to wild card. You know, you could still fix it with a hit or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a great thing to bring up because everyone's fucking panicking and. Yeah. I don't know. At this point, we're just like, we're just grizzled veterans. And like, game week two rank, like, honestly means nothing. Like, it's, it's just, it can change so much so quickly that like, it, it really is just not representative of anything. And it's representative of how you've done the first two game weeks. Exactly. Which is nothing compared to, you know, it's it's not, it has nothing to do with your outlook. For the rest like of the five percent of the season, it's also worth mentioning that after game week three next week, there's an international break and the transfer window is still open. Yeah, so, so like you're you're gonna waste a, tr- a free transfer on something like Salah to Pogba, and then you know Spurs are gonna make a huge transfer and change up something. You know, fuck your team up somehow. You know, or like yeah, some, or, you know something like that will happen. Yeah, or like you know, you have you, you right have Rooney some... and Everton buy a striker for forty million. Yeah. You know, it's like fuck, I and mean, that's not happening. But anyway, I want to talk about Rooney for a second because he's got two and two. Who? Rooney. Waza. 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 He's <laughs> he's fucking rejuvenated, dude. I'm he looks fucking good. All in on Waza. Yeah, he looks. He looks great. He's very. He looks good. Very good dude. To I don't. Watch. He's playing reverse out of position. All I need is to see him and Siggy on the pitch. They got a pen and he takes it, dude. I'm fucking in that week. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they still have murderers row fixtures nah, yeah. at Chelsea, Homespurs, at United. But he's the very, minute, very much are over. on the radar. Yep. Yeah. That's, I mean, I was also playing around with something with having no heavy hitting striker and just having something like Waz and Chikorito. And I could have a midfield of like Pogba, De Bruyne, Ali, Erickson, and Alexis. 
It's <laughs> crazy, dude. So, like, I don't know if that's bad or it great. seems like, bad, it but it's very fun. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I think Waz is is a thing, and I think he needs to be thought of because he's running. He's not like jogging like he was when he was fat United guy. He's really trying to prove a point that he's not over the hill, and he's, he's having trying fun. to have his LeBron year. Like he's back yeah. home. No, I mean he's having fun. He's doing it. I think he's he's on pace for a nice season. He looks like he's he's into it. So I think if you could wait for the next few to pass, I think Rooney's gotta it's gotta come in soon. Yeah, the fucking guy that I was at the pub with, Game Week One, had Rooney, and I was like, mm, I don't know. His team was so bad; he had no idea what was going on. He's fucking flying. Nah, you don't know what's going on. Yeah, he has fucking. He was. A gooner, and he had he had Alexis and shit. I was like, I just this is a bad pick, you know. And he gets Waza, and fucking boom, instant instant yeah. gratification for Waza. So I think you got to probably hold off for the next few fixtures if you can. But Waza in, Definitely. yeah, Waza in. Cannot, yeah. can't wait to have him. Yeah, great. yeah. Um, All right, let's. There's so much more to talk about, but is, is there, there anything more? else that we like have to talk about? Because like we're almost at an hour already, but. Maybe Spurs Chelsea. I mean, that was a big game. Yeah. We talked about we, we talked talk? about Kane already. I'm a Kane yeah. owner. I'm not worried at all. Don't no, he's fine. Don't bother Probably. me with Kane shit. Even if the August shit is true, he has one more game in August, so yeah. he's fine. So don't worry about him. Ollie was really bad. Yeah, Ollie Erickson was bad. Looked, I thought Erickson was bad too. Him. Honestly, like yeah, he gets his assist on an own goal set piece, but like he was pretty fucking bad. The problem there to me when I'm watching the game, and I didn't watch it back or anything, but Conte's number one objective was to have someone on Ericsson tight as fuck every time he touched the ball on the edge of the final third or anyone anywhere in their half, which is fine, but it should have theoretically freed up a lot more space for Ollie to operate, and Ollie was just worthless. So I don't know what happened there. I would probably need to watch it back to really analyze it deeper, but... That was my initial thought when the game ended. I was just thinking, You're just wow, like, where Erickson, the fuck is Ollie? Yeah, I was like, wow, Erickson had someone up his actual asshole every time he touched the ball and was getting fouled, pushed, or had a guy, you know, guy in his grill. So Ollie should have been more or less free to roam around, and he was just bad. So that sucked. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a Conte masterclass, which shouldn't surprise yeah. us, but it does just with their like suspensions and injuries and shit. I mean, they set up the most defensive thing ever, but... What's fun about them, and I missed the first half, but I watched watched highlights back and stuff. What's fun about Chelsea is that they don't like park when they set up to defend. Like they're they're set they up swarm. to defend, but they counter and they they defend very aggressively. Like they go for every tackle, they go for every interception, and right, they're just great. Conte's yeah. great. Chelsea's still great. Like no nothing to worry about from them. And Marcus yeah, think, A is a fucking god. Yeah, Marcus A is a god. I think the thing with Chelsea that surprises me when I watch them is that when they do set up deep like they did against Spurs, they have their two banks, but they're kind of very close together. Mm-hmm. And once the opposing team gets the ball really in and around the edge of the box, they immediately jump two or so guys on them. And they have so much pace in that more forward bank plus the one or two guys ahead that they outlet so quick and they just flash once they get the turnover they have the break on right away. Unlike other teams when they park and they're deep, they kind of like fuck around, they dribble to the sideline when they get a turnover and just hoof it. Chelsea have like 
planned outlets for when they turn the ball over. Yeah, their transition game is just insanely good and fast. Yeah, Yeah. I thought Morato was good too, promising. I mean, he obviously misses a sitter, but they were set up as defensively as possible, and he still managed like good stats. And it was his first start, and like I think he's just going to be good this year. I thought he was a little anonymous. I was a little disappointed with him, to be honest. But I think, like you say. That's not the kind of game that you're going to get the most out of him. I, I wish that they started Batchway in that game because he's got a little more work rate, a little bit more about yeah, him. Yeah. Murata needs service. I mean, he's not going to be able to, he's not going to run back, track back, like kind of get, get in the game from dropping into deep positions. The game needs to flow around him. So it's a tough one for him, but we'll see how he does. Um, we'll see how he, how he settles. And I think once they get Hazard in, I'll be able to work some magic with him, and he'll be able to figure it out. But yeah, they're going Mark- to be very good when Hazard's back. Yeah. Last thing before we go to Captain's Cleanse, I think Marcus. I mean, he got the fucking brace. You know, seven million. I'm seeing also a lot of people ripping their teams up trying to get him in. What do you think? Do you think he's a he's a must or someone we should be looking at? What do, what do you? I mean, what do you feel? we we always say this. We're beating the fuck out of this dead horse, but I don't think really anyone's a must. Maybe Lukaku, if anyone. But he's. I don't know. He kind of just was like, hi, guys, I'm still a really, really good pick, and I think he's right. <laughs> like, he's, you look at him compared to 7 million mids, like we were just talking about, like, he's better than all of them. I'd rather have Alonzo than, like, almost every budget, mid budget midfielder that we just named. Like, who's going to score more, like Richarlison or Alonzo? Like, Alonzo's going to outscore him. Just with the cleans and shit, like he's just so fucking good. So, kudos to the you guys who started in like a four four two or something like that and just treated Alonso like a midfielder because I think that was genius and I think he is that good. Yeah, I think the other thing when I'm looking at him also when I'm talking about KDB earlier is I think it's very similar that it's the kind of player that you just got to hold. Yeah, and defenders are always like that. I feel like. Yeah, I think for the more mid-priced or cheaper defenders, you have more flexibility to chop and change based yeah. on fixtures. Yeah. But when you have someone like Alonzo who's on direct freeze on an elite team that's going to keep a lot of clean sheets even against the top four or top six un- unexpectedly, he's a good set and forget. You know he's going to finish up in the top five or so of defender points. That you know if you're going to if you're going to plump seven for him, you just got to set him in there. And if you want to get him in now. You need to really just realize that you're going to hold him for the medium term and just not even, even medium. Like he's long term. Long term. Yeah. yeah. Like, Unless if he gets hurt or they buy another left back and he's at threat, he's just a really good FPL asset. So it's seven, even though he's expensive, and it's going to show up when you see like, oh, your midfield's kind of light. Oh, but you have Alonzo, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And that's okay. He's a good pick. Yeah, I love him. I'm sad to yeah. not own him, to be honest. <laughs> All right, so let's go to uh, captains. What do we got? Okay. Big debate here with uh, Kane versus Lukaku. It's really between them, right? Yeah. And they both they both have very nice fixtures. I think Spurs' fixture is a little bit better home Burnley than United home Leicester. But, yeah, I agree. But in the end, I don't really think there's any reason in the world to captain Kane over Lukaku. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> Big debate here. Hot take. <laughs> I mean, you got eight goals and two, and you're home Leicester, fucking dog shit. And there's no reason why they're not going to keep rolling them over. Exactly. Um, and and for, I said earlier, I'm not worried about Kane, and I'm not fronting. I'm really not worried about Kane. But like, fact is, he hasn't scored, and Spurs are like stumbling a little bit. Like, why would you risk that? Yeah, I mean, they just blanked 
home at Wembley and they have their next Wembley game again. Burnley are playing well. They've defended well the, both their first two games, kind of. And, they, you know, they're not, it's not like fucking. They're not pushovers. They're not Brighton. They're not Brighton. Yeah. So God, Brighton it's are fucking a, bad, dude. Yeah, Holy shit. Really bad. So it's just one of those where, similar to game week one, where it's like, okay, Lukaku, home, fucking West Ham. Like, it's not worth going differential captain when the vast majority of everyone's going to be on Lukaku and he has a legitimate hat trick game possibly in him. Yeah, it's just so not worth it. You know, game it's not and, worth it. And even further to that point, like Kane is being transferred out right now at a high, high rate. Yeah, so he's so becoming more and more him. of a differential. So keeping him is more than enough of a differential to like set you apart and you know, you know, go up in your mini league or win your head to head or something just by keeping him. Captain is not something where like you should be fucking around. Like captain, like. Could bury saves you us. Like it someone... saved us. If yeah, it we saved captained, us this week. Yeah, if, if we, we captained, captained fucking else, a two pointer, we would have gone down another three hundred thousand places. At least, I think yeah. more. So, honestly. yeah, I mean, so that's... yeah, it's, it's Lukaku. And when, for us. and as you say, like his ownership, Lukaku just keeps going up, and the captaincy will follow that. The captaincy percentage. So, I mean, just don't fuck around. I mean, it's just going to be. Insane scenes. He's been transferred in over a hundred thousand times already this week, which yeah, he, started two days ago. Yeah, I mean, it's just not time to. It's not time on there. Hey? He's fifty six percent on. It's not time to try and be cheeky with differential shit when he's going this good. So, yeah, I fully our, agree. That's that's the FMLFPL take on that. That's captaincy wrapped. Um, so our teams, you made your two transfers already. Oh, I just yeah, spoiled, I only, spoiled your I only, head. Yeah. <laughs> I only had one. You only had one took, to make and you made your two already. I took an aggressive hit on Saturday. Um, gross, very bad pick. Uh, very happy to throw my hands in the air and say that's not going to work out. Wait, yeah, me. there was a fan question about this. Gray Wolfstein said, what was your reason for getting rid of Gross so yeah. quickly? My reason was. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me sit you down and tell you a bedtime story. Brighton are just the worst team in the league. Um, they're terrible. And they're so I, bad, dude. What is going on? I don't know. So basically, I was like, all right, he Hewton, just like whatever. But I was kind of looking at glass half full, where I saw a few nice counters when they played City game with one. I was thinking, like, all right, gross. Like you're getting in there. Had really good creative stats for Ingolstadt last year um, in the in the Bundesliga. And he looked like he had something about him, but the first half against Leicester, that's not good. And that's what they're going to be facing against 80% of the teams away from home, or the Leicesters and above. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of points there. So I just think that that was dumb. Yeah, and for those ha- of you who believe in, in expected goals, like the, the stat du jour, like it's a very good stat. Like it, It's very telling, I think. Yeah, XG. XG, Brighton's combined... Team XG through the first two matches is zero point five. That's not good. Two so, matches. <laughs> so I have I had that problem. That's um, a problem, yeah. And then I also had the Danilo problem with Lejeune dead. So didn't really want to rely on having to go with Danilo. Didn't start today, but he was the next most pressing spot on my team after Gabbiadini scored. He got a little stay of execution there. So I jerked them both out for Pogba, and I brought Britos in at the 4-5 spot. Um, realistically, what I'm looking at is 
bringing in Pogba at eight, I wouldn't have been able to afford it if I waited. Thank God that I'm emerging here on Monday night without an injury to my four players who had yet played when I made the transfer. <laughs> but don't speak too soon. There's so many League Cup and yeah, Champions League, League games. games. But I uh, wouldn't have been able to afford it if I waited. So I really got aggressive, got in there. Didn't remove a heavy hitter. Uh, took out a player in Gross who has a very low out- expected output for points. Took out Danilo, who realistically, I mean, he didn't even fucking start today. So, I mean, he'll start next week for Walker, but, I mean, whatever the fuck. He's fucking terrible anyway. I put him, I got Paul. So, Paul is someone I want to hold for the medium term. Britos is a good rotator at 4 or 5. It gets me a little bit cheaper at defense, which I generally like, since I don't know when cleans are coming anyway this, this day and age. After I wild card in five or so game weeks, I'll be able to figure out what teams I want to buy in the heavy hitters defense, but... It leaves me with an attack. My midfield, I have Pogba. I have David Silva, De Bruyne, Ali, and Eriksen. And then up top, I have Lukaku and Gabbiadini. So I have six heavy hitters and Gabbiadini in attack, which I feel like is a significantly better attack than any 3-4-3 I've seen. It's very, and, very, very good. I like yeah, your team I mean, a lot. I, I was, I'm For most teams that have written in, I think we've both been on the side of don't take a hit, calm down, you're fine. And for your two moves, I was I was into them. I like them. Yeah, I think the difference is most of the times we're seeing hits are people downgrading De Bruyne and then trying to upgrade. Yeah, De Bruyne or, or Salah or something. Yeah, it's just every time in the last few years of my FPL career when I remove a heavy hitter who's good with fine fixtures, just because they've had a couple of blanks, they points come. And you chase your tail, and you're chasing last week's points. So normally I've been against removing one heavy hitter to put another in. I do think Pogba's a fantastic pick. You know, you're going to get team value, highly owned, looks good. It's a big bandwagon right now. So I think that, I mean, I bought him for a reason. Yeah, you, you removed two essentially, like one non-playing player and one very bad pick. You yeah. know, that's, that's the difference. Yeah, that's all yeah. you need to say about that. So that's what, I'm, that's what I did. I'm going to hopefully get away with it um, with the midweek games. Some of my, my shittier players are playing, I think, so hopefully no one gets hurt. But I really like my team now. I think that it's in a decent spot. I still have the double city midfield. Um, the Bournemouth game is going to be very telling. International break after that, so we'll have to see. But the other thing I am a little bit pleased with myself that I normally am very terrified of is that in my attack I have zero players going to South America. For the international break, which makes me very happy. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how the fuck you managed to do that. Wow, um, that's great. I don't know. I've got a bunch of euros. Yeah, a bunch of euros. I guess I only have Bob, so it's not yeah. too bad. Yeah, not too bad. And what what do you say? You got this is more more conversation now. Yeah, I'm in a just complete opposite boat as you. I mean, I have two frees, which is very nice flexibility wise. But on the other hand, I have no money in the bank, and I have no like obvious place to make that money from. As we were just talking, we both kind of feel it's a bad idea to get rid of a big big hitter just because he's blank twice. So I'm not getting rid of Kane. I'm not getting rid of Kev. You know, I don't really have many other places to make money. I brought up the idea of going like Bob to like a 7-0, like Gab or Cheech or something. And I don't hate that, but I don't love that. So yeah, I mean, I've just found myself like looking at my team and just wondering like, when is a lateral move a good move? And it feels like that time is now for me. Like, I feel like, I mean, I don't know what my move yet is going to be, but I think 
it's going to end up just being some sort of like Wine Aldum sidestep or JWP sidestep to just like a guy who feels a bit better and is a bit more nailed, but in the same bracket and save it. So I have two frees over the international break and through the end of the transfer window. And if shit is really bad, you know, if shit gets from bad to worse over that, then maybe I'll make three moves and take a hit and get in like Pogba or some other bandwagon guy. But I still feel like I'm roughly okay and with no like no easy way to get to any of the bandwagon guys. I don't want to just blow both my free transfers or take a hit when I don't really feel like I need to. Mm-hmm. That's that's state of the union. So like you know someone like Genie to Hesse, Genie to Richarlison, or like you know. So I think the problem with that, because I I agree, I think that <clears throat> the two most obvious places to go would be JWP and probably one album out. Yeah, Genie and JWP are the only guys that I'm really considering moving. Yeah, so I don't know how beneficial it would be to do one move and not both. Like I think. Yeah, that's fair. I think you'd probably want to hop on, you know, Hesse and someone else. And yeah, I just don't mind starting Tom Carroll at Palace. No offense, Palace are very yeah, bad no. without Zaha. Yeah, and bad on set pieces. Yeah, and bad on set pieces. And Tom, you know, they got fucking destroyed, but he he did some things against United and Gilfie confirmed out. I I still think Tom's like a pretty good four or five who could get an assist or something, so I was just looking at, like, okay, if I start Tom for soup and then just move for Genie and still have two frees, like, it's not terrible. But no, that's, that's totally fine. And yeah. I think that, like, by putting it that way, when you look at Carroll in comparison to some of the six million midfield That's the ones, thing. It's like, am I going to so, get Moy and how much yeah, better is he than Tom Carroll? Yeah, like, not, it doesn't feel not great. that much better. And if you do only spend one, then you get another, you get another free another week of information, two going out of international, and then maybe you figure out somewhere else that you need a double swap, and then and, you could buy yeah. up to a different bracket with JWP. Exactly, and I'm making money on the Wijnaldum move if I go down to right. one of those guys you mentioned. So like, right. it just leads me to like a much more flexible you know, international break of moves for whatever I need to do. And you know, like maybe guys come through and I don't even have to use both trees next week, but you know, if I yeah, maybe, do, I'll be in a yeah, position maybe, of power. Yeah, maybe you even do like JWP to Loftus Cheek, and you bump Firmino up to like Murata or something. Yeah, yeah, that's totally in the realm the of possibility. Or, I don't know. It just feels better to wait on that move and start Tom to me. Yeah, I I think that's smart. That's very smart. I like yeah, I'm just trying to be smart this year. I don't want Lauren, your wife, to get mad at me. She's already mad at you for taking a hit. She was very mad. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking at that, but because it's a downgrade and I can afford all of those for free, like I'm just going to wait until Friday and make yeah, my definitely. move on Friday and wait wait for the League Cup games, Champions League, pressers, pressers on Friday, and then make my move. So. so you're being the vet and I'm being the cash. Let's see how yeah, I'm being the vet, I'm, you're being the cash. I'm and casual. We know the, the, yeah, the cash always wins. So like casual what? taking a hit for Pogba on fucking Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. It always win. They, you, they always win, dude. Like here casual. We here we go, dude. Um, so I think fuck, that's dude, that, we're right? Long. Let's let's wrap. Check it out. Yeah, where are we at? We're at like 110 right now. 110, yeah. So 
before we leave, let's do the uh, anus slaps, the slaps on the ass, the patrons to read, the patrons of the week. All right, so we got Ludwig Dahlbeck, legend number one in the fucking league. Oh, my God, new guy, number one. Good for you. That's why probably why he fucking joined. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I'm easily going to like, win this Oh, I'm going to join when the mug quit. Fuck yeah, you guys. exactly, yeah. Ben Ling, Daniel Vander Noon, Vince Poyle, Willem Humphreys, Liam Bednarski, Liam Legend. Thanks to thanks for being in the Slack and James McChrystal, McChrystal Palace City fan. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, Aaron Lister, aka Aaron L, New Zealand Legend. Lee Frith, Josh Florida. Interesting. Liam Neald. My favorite name of the week is just Fred. <laughs> All lowercase, no last name. Absolute beast, legend of a human. And then Eddie Fredder, following him, just his brother. Which like Eddie Vedder. Yeah, Eddie Vedder. Like I feel like that's a fake name, but like, wow. What a job. What I mean, a job coming done. In, coming in ballsy enough to just go all lowercase your first name just to be like <laughs> this is like I am I'm the only one. It's yeah, I don't give a shit about yeah. the shout out. I don't want anyone yeah. to know my name. Yeah. If I I'm an international month, hacker. Send, yeah, you can't send it to me because my name is just Fred and I live nowhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, great. I'm made up actually. But yeah, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Appreciate we're, it. We're seriously like we're switching pod hosts this week and everything. All that fucking shit adds up to a lot of fucking money and you guys yeah, are we're still we're still net negative on personal funds in uh, the pod, so it's been absolutely a nice thing to, but yeah, it feels very very, very good to have some good. shitting coming to help support. Yeah. Um, Thank you guys. So we'll look forward to shouting out the new patrons next week's pod. Yep. Check us out at fmlpl.com. Follow us on Twitter at fmlpl. Support us at our Patreon, patreon.com slash fmlpl. And cheers. Cheers.